Hey there, and welcome to the I Am Vibrant podcast. I'm your host, Leah Lund, and today we're here to talk about how to be at ease with difficult people and difficult situations. The reason that this conversation is so important is that it affects you and how you feel, and we attract what we feel. So anytime you find yourself restricting, constricting, tightening up, getting stressed, putting your cells on lockdown because of a situation or a person that you've encountered, it affects you. It affects your health. It affects your vibration. And you attract, we all attract what we feel. And so it behooves us to look at these difficult people and situations and figure out what to do. And that's the purpose of this whole podcast is to help you feel good on purpose, intentionally making choices, taking self-responsibility for how you feel. So let's talk. I'm going to go right to it. There's two things I'm going to share here right off the bat that you might want to write down that truly um, breaks it down. And the first is that you're not going to like this but there really are not difficult situations or people. That really doesn't exist. Difficult as a word is a perception that we put on a neutral situation. Now, I'm not saying you don't feel what you feel at the time because you do, but there's a reason that you feel it. And most importantly, you don't have to feel it. So, Be willing right now as you're listening to me to shift up that belief that maybe they're actually not difficult. Those people that drive you crazy and make you frustrated and make you feel hurt, what if they're actually not difficult at all? What if they're not difficult people? What if they're just people behaving in a way that feels challenging to you? That's a much more accurate view. And so when you see that, when you see that these people are just behaving in a way that feels challenging to you, you can do one of two things. You can try to change how they're behaving. Good luck with that. (laughs) Or you can try to change how you see the situation and feel about it and shift even that word difficult Because there's really not difficult people or difficult situations. Situations are neutral. And we, our mind in particular, attaches meaning to them. Nobody's born difficult, right? As babies, we're all the same. We are happy and smiling. Um, we, We are innately connected to higher power when we're first born. And then life's experiences put imprints on us emotional imprints, mental imprints, mental patterns. And oftentimes we all, them and you, (laughs) we all act according to those imprints. So you have to be willing, I think, to change your belief that these are not difficult people or difficult situations. They're people in situations you find challenging. And Once you acknowledge that, you can go and do some very 
very deep work very quickly, it doesn't take a lot of time, you can have a total perspective shift that has you feeling better, which is actually the point. Second thing to write down is, let's say you, everything I've said so far, you're like, I'm actually ready to stop listening. <laughs> this woman is crazy. What is she talking about? This person is really difficult. Even if that were true, what are you going to do about it? The only choice that you really have is either have them in your life or not. Now, there are some people that probably you just will let go of and say, you know what, this is just not aligned for me. It, it doesn't feel worth it for me. I could do the work, but I just kind of don't want to because it's not that important. I would challenge you and say that's a good reason to dig in and keep them in your life. But if you chose to just release them, that's okay too. But I also know there's many times that that difficult person or that difficult situation is somebody you, you love, somebody in your life, a sibling, a parent, a spouse, a friend. And so you probably don't want to exclude them. It's in your best interest to figure out how to be at ease with them. So here's something I know for sure, for sure, for sure, and there are very few things that any of us know for sure, for sure, for sure. But I know that everything that we do is for a good reason. It's not always a logical reason. Sometimes it's a very subconscious reason. But we don't do things to feel worse. And that means them too. We do things sometimes to feel normal or to numb ourselves because we think something's too painful or most often what that actually is, is we think we can't handle feeling that emotion. Fear is a feel of feeling, a fear of feeling. But sometimes we block things out because we don't think we can handle it. So all of human behavior, you, me, everybody else, all of human behavior really comes down to every individual wanting to feel better or normal in some way. And maybe the filter that that difficult person that created that difficult situation, maybe the filter they see the world through causes them to do this behavior in an attempt to feel better. Doesn't make logical sense to them or to you. But we exacerbate the problem when we look at that behavior and personalize it and think it has something to do with us, think that they're trying to make us miserable or um, they're not cooperating or um, somehow it has absolutely something to do with us when in effect, it, in actuality, it has nothing to do with us. It's just them doing what people do, which is try to get along, try to get along in their life, try to handle what they're feeling, try to handle their own situations. It's not personal to us, the outsider, at all. So there's a really important piece about being okay and at ease with difficult situations, and that is awareness. Awareness is the key. And awareness that I'm talking about starts first in your body. 
because our mind is a really busy little critter, right? Um, but our body doesn't lie. If we feel something in our body, we know that it's happening. And so getting accustomed, developing the practice and the ritual of checking in with your body in any situation is so important. Begin to notice when you feel tense. What are the situations that lock you down, make you tight, make you feel tense? Notice what they are and what it's doing in your body. There's always a physical clue. Physical clue that you're encountering something that your mind is perceiving as difficult. And physical clues vary from person to person. One of mine is that I hold my breath. It might be that you're, you hold your shoulders so high they're up at your ears. Um, it might be you tap your foot or you uh, drum your fingers on the table. Something physical that's going on that is your alert system. I'm viewing something as difficult. And it's also your reminder that difficult is a perception. And so noticing that time is really key because how you be at ease with difficult people and difficult situations is by developing some space between how you feel, the emotion that you're responding with at that moment, and then what you actually do about it. Widening that space, that's called emotional capacity. And I'm a brain health coach and an emotional capacity coach because I believe emotional capacity is our key to success and happiness in our life. When we can handle whatever comes our way, when we can stay focused on what we want and not let anything else get in the way or derail us, distract us, have us feeling down, that's really a, a life well lived, right? To have what you want when you want it to enjoy the experiences that you have, even if they weren't what you wanted or planned and they came up accidentally. That's emotional capacity. And emotional capacity comes down to the space between your emotion and your action. So when you feel something, developing the ability to have a pause before you respond. If there's no pause, that's called reaction. <laughs> and that's what usually happens with difficult people in difficult situations is there's reaction, right? We go on autopilot. It triggers our programming and we just react. We don't think about it. Emotional capacity is building that space, widening, stretching that space between what you feel and what you do so that it doesn't just go round and round. Because here's the thing. if you're dealing with a difficult situation that always involves people, right? So whether the people are difficult or the situation is difficult, if we allow the ego mind reaction to take over, what you react with will cause a reaction in them. And then that reaction will cause a reaction in you. And you'll go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth in this downward spiral of reaction. Or the other choice is build that space, find that space, find that space to be objective about what's going on, find that space to be intentional about what you're doing next, 
So I want to share an example to really help bring this to life. And I'm going to share an example of a client of mine um, who her husband was frequently raising his voice. He'd raise his voice at her. He'd raise his voice at their kids. Um, it wasn't a physical danger at all, but he just would raise his voice and get really loud. And she was really pulling back because of that and having a reaction that didn't serve her, which again is my point. We can talk about them, but really that's their job. That's between them and God. So for her, it was the fact that it just tensed her up all day. Whenever he would get loud, then she would be tense the entire day. When we're tense, we're locked down, we're in stress, we're not attracting what we want. Our body even is physically suffering. And so it wasn't a way that she wanted to continue living. So we looked at what did it mean to her that he was raising her voice. And we worked a sequence that I call the belief behavior outcome sequence, because everything starts with a belief that leads to a thought, that leads to an emotion, that leads to an action, that leads to an outcome. And the outcome for her was tense all day. If we back up, the emotion was tension and stress. So I knew that there had to be a belief and a thought that occurred before that. So for her, we traced it back. We went through lots and lots of thoughts. We have anywhere from 70,000 to 90,000 thoughts a day. So there were lots of thoughts. But we got to a core belief that what it meant to her that he was raising her voice was that he didn't love her. The actuality, what it meant to him, he was raising his voice because he had no idea how to communicate and get his point across. So he just thought if he got louder and louder, somehow it would help people understand him. And he was equally frustrated as she was. And he did this actually to everybody. He raised his voice with everybody, not just her, not just the kids. He did it all the time because it was the only coping skill that he knew that he thought would help him be heard. But she was attaching meaning. She was attaching the meaning that he didn't love her. And she was very much in stress and tension when she attached that meaning, obviously. So that's the sequence of events. And the key to dealing with difficult people in difficult situations is to build that space between what you feel and what you do. And the way you do that is through a pattern interrupt. Have some kind of pattern interrupt. When you're about to react and respond, have something that you do instead. And that pattern interrupt can be a lot of different things. It can be journaling. It can be taking deep breaths. It could be running around the block. If it's something that involves your body, you're at an advantage because you pull yourself out of your head, right? But later, you may also, um, it's sort of like a preventative exercise to having a good pattern interrupt is to spend deep reflective time journaling, asking yourselves things like, why do I do what I do? using this sequence of belief to thought to emotion to action to outcome 
to figure out what's happening here. Why do I think the things I think? What must I believe in order to think them? And all of us, and this is really a way that all of a sudden this difficult person, it becomes a very neutral situation because you realize your own power, your own power within your, in your own mind to understand that all situations are actually neutral. All people are neutral. And it's just a matter of your perspective. The last tip that I want to give you here today for dealing with difficult people in situation comes from a brilliant man, Marshall Rosenberg, who has developed a process called nonviolent communication. And he has used this process all over the world with warring countries, with rival gangs in the deepest, deepest conflict situations. So if it works there, it definitely works between you and another person. And what it is is four steps. And it's four steps for really clear communication. Instead of expecting that, let's, let's put ourselves in the shoes of that husband that I gave the example of. He's expecting if he gets louder, people will actually know what he means. But he's still not communicating clearly. He's just getting louder. There's just more volume to it. So it doesn't accomplish what he wants. So believe me, he was just as frustrated as my client who was frustrated because she was having her own perception of the situation. And so a very beneficial process for either party is to be able to communicate clearly. Don't leave anything up to guessing or chance. Communicate clearly. And so the formula that Marshall Rosenberg developed is it really comes to our, it addresses our, our emotional need, our mental need, and even our basic human Maslow's hierarchy of needs, needs. And that is to say first, what you observed. Second, to acknowledge your feeling. Third, to voice your needs. And fourth, to voice requests. So observation, feeling, need, request. So in the case of my client, this would look like her saying, I noticed you raised your voice at me. That makes me feel threatened and unloved. One of my basic needs is to feel safe. So my request of you in the future is that no matter what's going on and whatever you have to tell me, please say it. Don't hold back, but just say it in a lower tone. Don't yell. Don't raise your voice. That really breaks it down, doesn't it? That is a much more honest expression than any of the reactions that she'd been putting out that were exactly that, just a reaction to what he'd been saying. Here's the thing about nonviolent communication. You also want to allow the reverse to happen, meaning he gets his turn as well. He gets his turn to say what he observed, what he felt, what he needed, and his request of her in the future. And sometimes those observations are remarkably different from each other. Like most of the time, they're completely different. You know, he, he didn't see it in any way the same that she saw it. 
This is a process that can really help you deal with difficult people in difficult situations. Because here's the thing, if you react versus respond, you're emotionally triggered. And the only reason we're emotionally triggered is that we see something in another person that is either in us or that we're afraid is in us. So if you react to somebody who's arrogant, there's arrogance in you or a fear of arrogance. If you react to somebody who's rude, there's a rudeness history there. There's pattern. There's somewhere in your life that somebody was rude. There's a reason we have the reactions that we have. And they do tie back to a belief. And they also oftentimes tie back to a subconscious imprint that was put into our life at a very, very young age, zero to seven years, typically, often not through actual conversation. Often it is babies infer what's happening in any situation. They don't have language yet, so they infer with their eyes and they look at the eyes of adults and they make assumptions. So this whole thing about difficult people and difficult situations is is a, a horrible, really, pattern and spiral of assumption after assumption after assumption after assumption after assumption, sometimes for generations. But it's not based on what's happening in the here and now. So I encourage you to look at your difficult people and situations in a completely new way today. Take what I've said to heart. To know something is to be it. So you could take notes and you could know this intellectually, but it will really serve you when you apply it situationally in reality in your life. Come across the next situation that feels challenging where you notice that physical clue and you say, oh, this is a difficult person or a difficult situation and use the sequence, use the pattern interrupt and make the space so that you can respond versus react. You can respond knowing that nothing about the situation is personal. It doesn't mean anything about you. It doesn't mean anything about them. It's just two histories of pattern interfering, two energetic waves interfering. Bruce Lipton would call this destructive interference, right? Two patterns that are not aligned, interfering. But all it takes to shift that is pause, breath, intention with your response. The minute you do that, even with whoever you might view as the most difficult person you can imagine, I promise you, the minute you do a pattern interrupt and you act differently, they will too, because they feel this new energy. So this is critically important, not only it's critically important for your happiness, but it also affects your health. So stress, we know, you've seen all the studies, I trust, about how stress impacts our vulnerability to disease and to aging and to early demise. And stress is mainly perceived and difficult is a, is a major perception that we have. So apply what you've learned here. Don't just let it sit as knowledge in your brain, but actually do it in the next difficult situation or person you face. Apply this, find your pattern interrupt, do it differently. And I promise you will feel so differently and you attract what you feel. Thanks for listening in.
I'll see you on the next episode.